0: At the end of today's gospel, uh, Jesus says something that uh, really frightens me. I don't know if you had the same reaction in your own heart as you heard those words. Now this is the phrase that bothered me. He says, that servant who knew his master's will but did not make preparation or act in accord with his will shall be beaten severely and the servant who was ignorant of his master's will but acted in a way deserving of a sincere beating shall be beaten only lightly i'm going to get a really big beating you know one of the dangers of being a uh, a clergyman i guess uh, a bishop in addition to that is that i'm immersed constantly in the teachings of the Gospel and uh, the words of Jesus regarding discipleship. So I'm one of those characters who knows the Master's will, and I don't always make preparation. Uh, Of course, it's better to be there than to be in the group that didn't know the Master's will, because it's always better to know the truth and not to know it. But Jesus wants us to take seriously our responsibilities and says very clearly in this reading that we're responsible to respond to the graces that he has given us. What I'm going to do in today's uh, homily is a little different than I usually do. I'm going to spend a brief time talking about the scriptures, but then I want to spend the majority of my time with you talking about the virtue or the gift of faith. Our first reading is from the Old Testament, from the Book of Wisdom. And it's really quite difficult to understand. I don't know how many people understood it at all. Uh, But to understand this, we have to put ourselves in the place of the Jewish people who who were preparing to leave Egypt to go to the Promised Land. They were told by Moses and Aaron that God would be faithful to the promises he made to their forefather Abraham and would protect them. But they were giving up the security of Egypt, even though they were slaves, they still had food and water and housing, and were to risk all that by going off into the desert. Now, the key line of this reading for today's purposes, the scriptures have a purpose, is the first sentence or two. It says, The night of the Passover, okay, that occasion, was known beforehand to our fathers that with sure knowledge of the oaths in which they put their faith, they might have courage. The the line that the church wants us to reflect on is this one, with sure knowledge of the oaths in in which they put their faith. The oath was, was a promise that God made to Abraham that he would be their God and they would be his people. And the only reason the, people, the Jewish people went on that excursion into the Red Sea and into the desert is because they had sure hope, confidence in the promises that God had made to them. Which is what faith's about. Faith is having confidence that God will be faithful to those whom he has chosen and whom he loves. And all of us in this cathedral parish this evening are those people. So faith begins with God. You know, God comes to us And desires a profound relationship with us. And faith is our response to that initiation of love by God. So we don't, faith doesn't start with us, it starts with God. And what it is, is simply a response, a confident response of love to the love that God has shown us and has promised us. Now, the best example of faith in the Old Testament is our father Abraham, who is the subject of the second reading, which is a beautiful passage from the letter to the Hebrews. And in this letter, the author of Hebrews points to Abraham as an example of faith. So let's look at this reading and take his example. The reading begins by telling us Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. So faith is not the same thing as scientific evidence. It's, it's a confidence in something that is hoped for and unseen. You know, we don't actually see God's love for us all the time. If we're men and women of faith, we believe in it, and we hope in it, and we live our lives with confidence in that love that God has for us, which is unseen. And he uses the example of Abraham. He gives three examples. First of all, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was to go." You know, in the, in the book of Genesis, the story of Abraham is very, very interesting. It's worth reading uh, quite often. And the first experience that Abraham had with God was God appearing to him and telling him that he was to leave his ancestral home and go to a place that God would give him, a place he had never been to, and he wasn't even sure where, where it was. But God invited him to make an act of faith and trust and to go. And as the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and he went. He was 75 years old. I'm 74 years old. I can't imagine uh, at this stage of my life having to make a life-altering decision like that. But Abraham was a believer. He trusted God and he went. That's example number one. It was always the deepest desire of Jewish men and women to have children. Children were seen as proof of God's love. They were seen as a future, you know, the the ones to whom you would pass on the family um, fortune or whatever it is that the family had. Abraham and Sarah were sterile. They had no children. Sarah, I don't know for sure how old Sarah was, but Abraham was 75 years old. And he knew that his wife was beyond the age of ordinarily having children. But God said to him, Abraham, if you do what I call you to do, if you leave the pro- your, your family land and go where, I, where I'm going to lead you, I promise that I will give you give you children and your children will be numbered greater than the stars in the sky and the sand on the shore of the sea. Now I'm not married so I can't imagine what this is like but those of you who are married can you imagine God saying something to you like that when you and your wife you and your husband are in your 70's and you haven't had children up to that point. But that's what this reading tells us. It says here, by faith, Abraham received power to generate, even though he was past the normal age, and Sarah herself was sterile. For he thought that the one who had made the promise was trustworthy. That's what faith is. It's seeing God as someone who we can trust, that God is Absolutely trustworthy. And we know that Sarah gave birth to a son. His name was Isaac, which brings us to the third example of Abraham's faith in this reading. Number three, it says here, by faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was ready to offer his only son. He reasoned that God was able to raise even from the dead and he received Isaac back as a symbol. You know, the story of the sacrifice of Isaac is an extraordinarily interesting and even difficult passage of the Old Testament to understand because Abraham, who lived in a culture surrounded by uh, religions that offered children as sacrifices was tempted by that. He had a temptation that he thought that God wanted him to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice and God allowed him to think that way for some reason as a test of his faith. So Abraham took his son Isaac headed up the mountain and was prepared to burn his son as an offering on an altar to God. At the last minute God intervened and said Abraham I don't want you to do that and they discovered a a sheep in the bush and took the sheep and offered the sheep as sacrifice in the place of Isaac. The church has always seen that as a symbol of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You know, our father allowed his son Jesus to die on the uh, wood of the cross for our sins. But again, it's an example of, of faith that Abraham was willing to do that, even though that's not what God wanted him to do because he had an absolute trust in God. He was willing to risk the child of the promise that God had made to him and to Sarah. So Abraham has always been seen uh, by the church as an, as, as an example of faith. Of course, the perfect embodiment of faith in the scriptures is Mary, the mother of Jesus, who when she was invited to be the mother of our savior, said, not my will, but yours be done. Um, But Mary was the woman who exemplifies Christian faith and obedience to all of us. So those are the examples from scripture that God has given us in our scripture readings this evening. And I'd like to do a little reflection now about what does this all imply in terms of our lives of faith. First of all, I want to reinforce what I said at the beginning, that faith begins with God. God approaches us in many ways. For those of us who are baptized as children, God approached us through the decision of our parents that we would be baptized. But throughout our lives, God is constantly approaching us in the experiences of our life, in, in our spiritual life that's deep inside that we might not even be aware of all the time. You know, God wants a relationship with you and God wants a relationship with me. And that desire of God to to want to be part of our lives is the beginning of faith. Now, we respond to that if we're going to be women and men of faith in an absolute kind of way. Because faith is the complete submission of ourselves intellectually and our will, our desires, we submit ourselves, our minds and our hearts to God. So faith is not believing a list of things, although if we are women of faith and men of faith, we believe what God tells us, that faith is a submission of ourselves to God and his plan for us, because we know that God is trustworthy someone who really does care for us and who loves us. So faith is not a feeling. Faith is a submission of ourselves. It's sometimes a very difficult thing to do, to submit ourselves intellectually, to believe God and to believe what he tells us. So it's an intellectual act, but it's also an act of the will. That means it's a, it's a deeply personal act that we choose to make. There's no such thing as blind faith, because faith is not blind. It's not just doing something irrational, you know. Faith is making a choice to trust God and to believe what God tells us. And many of us, you know, we kind of confuse a generalized feeling of wanting to be good and wanting to love God with the act of faith. That's only the beginning of the act of faith. That's kind of a a sense of God acting in our lives. But the act of faith is a total commitment of mind and soul, intellect and will to God. Now, have you done that? I think I've done that many times and I've backed off many times in my life, you know, because faith isn't something you do at one time. Sometimes you hear some members of Christian community saying that, you know, once you have faith, once you're saved, you're always saved. That isn't our Catholic understanding. You know, God always desires to save us. He never changes his mind, but we can change our mind. And changing our mind has consequences. So so we ask the Lord, as we reflect on the the meaning of faith today, to give us a a desire to totally commit our mind and our wills to God and to to believe him. Faith also means that we seek understanding. We're not satisfied with just knowing something, we want to understand something. If there are things about our faith that we find difficult, a woman of faith, a man of faith explores that with the members of the Christian community and in prayer. You know, again, faith is not a blind thing. It, it's something that is very profoundly human and requires our, the, the engagement of our whole self. Now, faith is also certain I'm certain that God is my Father. I'm certain that God created the world and that the creation he made was good. I'm certain that Jesus Christ is the son, Son of God come from the Father to be our Savior. I'm certain that the Holy Spirit exists in the church and that God is a unity but at the same time a trinity. I'm absolutely certain those things are true because God has told us so. But having said that, there are times when I have doubt. And you can have faith and doubt at the same time. Doubt is not the same thing as giving up your faith or denying your faith. It's having concerns about your faith, wanting to understand your faith better uh, in, more, in more clear ways. And it's important for us, if we do have doubts, not to be ashamed of those doubts, but to explore them and to explore them with people who know something about the faith who perhaps know more and have a greater experience than we do. So see, people sometimes say that a faith without doubt is not true faith. I don't know if that's true exactly because I think there are some people, especially simple people, who have a deep kind of faith that doesn't really experience much doubt. But most of us experience doubt and certainly the world around us experiences doubt because we have, we have huge percentage of the Christian community leaving the Christian community to belong to the group of nuns. And nuns doesn't mean religious women, you know, the nuns that teach in our schools. Nuns mean those who don't have any religious affiliation. They have none at all. That's the fastest growing group of so-called religious people in our country today. And a large percentage of those are Catholic people, perhaps our relatives. Perhaps we've actually been there ourselves at one time or another. Another characteristic of faith is it's personal. I don't know if you remember the days before the new translation of our liturgical prayers at mass, but the creed that we're going to be praying together in just a few moments, in the old translation, was translated, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, uh, creator of heaven and earth. The Latin word is credo, which means I believe, but we translated it as we believe, because it's true that faith is a communal activity. We do, we make our acts of faith in a community. But faith is never, in its its radicalness, a communal thing. It's a very personal thing. No one believes for you but you. No one believes for me but me. And because of that, in the new translation, we've gone back to saying what the, the original Latin says, I believe it's a profoundly personal act. That doesn't mean it's a, it's a, personal doesn't mean private, and personal doesn't mean you're alone. It personal means it's something you commit yourself to. So, you know, your parents can have you baptized, but they cannot give you faith. Of course, nobody can give you faith except God, because we believe that God is, grace is, faith is a grace, it's a gift from God. And some of us take a long time in our lives before we come to personal faith. You know, we go to church because it's what we've always done or it's what our parents did and we feel guilty if we don't go. And those are all okay because they at least get us to church. But faith requires a personal commitment where we can say with our wrists strapped to a lie detector, I believe and mean it. And that's the kind of faith that we're invited to in today's liturgy. Faith is personal. It's also, as I said, not, not private. It's communal. You now, we believe together. We very much need the good example of one another to be believers in this very difficult time. Uh, it's hard to be a believer by yourself. That's why it's important for those of you who are single to find a, a spouse that's a believer. It's really difficult to be married to one another if you don't really believe the same kind of things. And we can be led away from our faith by an unbelieving spouse. Um, That doesn't always happen. There's wonderful examples of of, of faithful Catholics who marry non-believers and uh, have wonderful marriages and a wonderful family life, but it's much more difficult. It's much more difficult. So the easiest way to be a believer is to marry someone who's a believer and actually marry someone who's more of a believer because that'll kind of kick you in the pants and help you to be more faithful to your own religious commitments. So that's what faith is all about. It's an act of grace, a gift from God. It's nothing we arrive at on our own. God approaches us and we respond. It's a a complete submission of our mind and our will to God. Not a partial one, but a complete one. We, we, we freely choose to do what God calls us to. It's confidence in what that God exists and belief in what He tells us. So it's an act of confidence in God, but it's also an act of confidence in what He tells us. Like the Ten Commandments, we, 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 don't, we don't choose whether to do that or not. If we don't do it, we're not being faithful to what God tells us, you know, it's a, it's nothing. It's not, you know, a, a shopping cart that we can pick and choose from. It's uh, something that we were gifted with by God. Um, faith is never blind. It's always um, an act of faith is always made with open eyes. Faith seeks understanding. It isn't isn't willing to just live constantly in doubt, but wants to overcome the doubt by a deeper kind of faith. It's certain and it's personal. May the Lord help all of us to develop that kind of faith which imitates the faith of Abraham and the even deeper faith of Mary, the mother of Jesus.